Billy, his, his legs yeah. are gone. Billy. And, uh, he's a defensive liability, and I question whether the bat speed's still there. His legs are gone. Grady. We'll be lucky to get 60 games out of him. Why do you like him? Because he gets on base. Welcome to Baseball by Design. I'm SportsLogos.net minor league baseball correspondent Paul Caputo, broadcasting live, as always, from the Sunday Helmet Hall of Fame in my basement in Fort Collins, Colorado. We're going to be talking this episode about the Jackson Rockabillies, a Woodbat collegiate summer team just about to start its first season. I'll be speaking later on in this episode with designer Ryan Foose, who created their suite of logos. I'll be speaking with Baseball by Design's wildlife correspondent, Ranger Amy Burnett. And of course, Dan Simon of Studio Simon is back with a Studio Simon stumper. Right now, I'm so pleased to be joined by Dennis Bastien, who is the owner, operator, and we were just saying before the before the episode, before our recording here, sign painter, wall painter, hot dog vendor. Uh, what is it? What else are you doing here for the team, Dennis? Equipment buyer, clubhouse worker built a stage recently so <laughs> this is what we do this has been our life for uh for since the carter administration if you will all so right that's one way of, of 48 uh, years 48 years all right that's one way one way to measure that uh that that amount of time absolutely the jackson rockabillies really fun brand really fun logo created by ryan foos uh who i mentioned i'll be speaking to later on in this episode he'll be a returning guest to baseball by design this logo was unveiled last year uh, I wrote about it in June of 2022. You're getting ready to get started on your first season of play. You're 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 denouement here as the the Jackson Rockabillies, replacing uh, obviously a team that was there, an affiliated minor league baseball team, the only Double A team to lose its status as an affiliated team in minor league baseball when the Vogon Destructor Fleet came through and reorganized minor league baseball. So you filled the 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 baseball void in Jackson, Tennessee. With this great new brand, this great new logo and nickname, what is a rockabilly? What does it mean to Jackson, Tennessee, to, for a baseball team to be called the Rockabillies? That's a good question. We uh, we done a lot of research and we ran a name the team contest, and we had nine hundred and eighty three entries, and we had about sixty entries for rockabillies, and we knew we would. Okay. So we narrowed the entries down to the Jackson Five, and. Uh, so Rockabillies was one of them. We had 60-some people into Rockabillies. Rockabilly, it was, it was a phrase that was coined by what they called the Million Dollar Quartet. And that was Jerry Lee Lewis, Elvis Presley, Johnny Cash, and a guy named Carl Perkins, mm. who was from Jackson, Tennessee, grew up here, family's still here. Uh, he wrote Blue Suede Shoes which he made famous. Elvis, Elvis may have made it a little bit more famous. Uh -huh. He also wrote a couple of Elvis's early songs and a couple of Johnny Cash's early songs. So they would get together here in Jackson and they would do jam sessions in the back rooms of old, you know, honky tonks or cafes or gas stations. And they, they come up with that new type of music, which is a little kind of hard banging, um, they called the rockabilly because it was kind of a mix of rock and roll, country, and hillbilly. Okay. So that's where rockabilly came from. And rockabilly has been known in this area since the early 50s. That was the early time of rockabilly music. The Beatles have said that they would have never come into existence if it hadn't been for rockabilly music. You can look that up on Wikipedia. <laughs> so this is the home of the Rockabilly International Museum, the Rockabilly Fan Club, 
Uh, so when they got the entries, we kind of felt, you know what, that's kind of old hat around here. Rockabilly, there's a Rockabilly Highway, Rockabilly Cafe, Rockabilly Stage, Rockabilly uh, Nutrition Company, Rockabilly Library. We thought, you know, it's kind of old hat. We wanted something brand new that nobody had ever used. But then one elderly lady entered of the 63 Rockabilly Goats. Mm. And we thought, you know what, we can have some fun with that. So at that time, and still going, goats are a, a pretty common and, and magical thing. I mean, you go into any store, there's goat milk soap, there's goat milk lotion. It's become kind of a, a hot thing. Our daughter, in fact, does goat yoga, which <laughs> I still don't figure why that happens. But we came up with the, the Rockabilly logo. Mm-hmm. And there was some, there is some intricate parts of this that a lot of people, Paul, that are not logo freaks, would <laughs> never catch. For example, this is the Johnny Cash Schmirk. Oh, nice. That's the Elvis's curl in the front of his cap or in front of his forehead. So we kind of come up with some rough stuff called Ryan. Ryan put it to paper, put it to ink, and uh, came up with something we feel is pretty unique, pretty catchy. It's been a big seller. It's been, you know, well-received here. We were a little concerned that maybe the word Jackson Rockabillies was registered or trademarked or copyrighted. Mm. It was yeah. not. All right. You would have thought that somebody might have. They did not. So yeah. we're good with that. It's been met with great reception. All of our vehicles have their logo on the side. We've got uh -huh. signage everywhere. So uh, we've redone the ballpark and uh, we're doing a lot of spinoffs. Okay. Regarding the logo and the name. All right. So, uh, for example, we just completed a contest in which all of our food will have a name from that era. It's not going to be your general hot dogs and hamburgers and popcorn. It's going to be, and I'm not going to give them away, give you some examples. Okay. It might be the great balls of fire nachos or the <laughs> ain't nothing but a hot dog. Uh, it might be something like the heartbreak hamburger, heartbreak, heartbreak hotel hamburgers. Okay. Our large sodas and beer might be the BB King size. Uh, <laughs> small ones might be the Little Richards. Nice. So uh, we're doing a lot of things that have to do with that era. Our merchandise room is the jukebox. Nice. So uh, everything we do is tied to that era. I have to ask because it's it's near and dear to my heart. Do you have any special names for ice cream? That one's in the works because okay. we do carry both dip and the dip and dots, the drop okay. a name. So, yes, we will come up with that name, too. It's been entered. So we haven't made that public announcement yet. All right. All right. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping against hope that this great logo is going to be on a little plastic helmet that you can get the ice cream in here. So uh, maybe if not in your first season, eventually. Yes, sir. And this is the home cap. There he we is. We want to okay. use colors that have never been used before. So it's a deep, deep, deep navy. Yeah. With purple. Yeah. Purple button, purple violets. And then this is what we call the goat mark. The goat mark for our audio listeners is uh, a close up of just the goat head. And right under his chin there with his little beard is the uh, the guitar underneath it, the purple guitar, not the the grayish brown guitar in the in the primary logo. Now, you've mentioned that about the little beard. Yeah, well, that is a goatee. So uh, in our merchandise room, the jukebox, our T-shirts, the label above them is goat tees. Of course it is. <laughs> That's terrific. I love it. So looking at these other logos, I see that one has a goat in a truck. What's what's the significance of the pickup truck here? 
we wanted our mascot, who is JR, by the way. JR is short for Jackson Rockabillies. Okay. And so we wanted him to be in a vehicle, which was kind of one of the jalopies from that era. So nice. we chose a 1953 Ford pickup truck. And we were actually looking for one now to buy for parades and things. We found one, but it had a supercharger in it. So you can't go under about 50 without burning it up. So uh, we have ordered a new copper-colored Ford Maverick. And just so you know, too, uh, Paul, we don't have standard colors. For example, all of our colors have names. This is no-hitter navy. Mm -hmm. It is perfect game purple. Mm -hmm. It is shutout silver. <laughs> it is full count copper. It is grand slam gray and home plate white. So we gave color names that were baseball themed. Absolutely, it's like if uh, like the Crayola colors were a, were a baseball game. This is this is fun. Did you say full count copper? You said full count copper, right? Full count copper. Full count copper. Okay, I like this. Grand Slam gray. Now let me ask you this question: If it's the seventh inning and there's a no hitter going on, and you want to talk about this deep, deep, almost black navy that you all have. Can you say no hitter Navy or do you have to just, uh, you can't say it because there's one going on. You're right. I am superstitious. I'm a baseball purist. I've been around it for uh, well, 60 some years. So yeah, we will not do that. All You're right. right. All right. We'll give you one of the one. other logos that you have going on here looks like uh, if I, if I may, some blue suede shoes. That has been unveiled next year, 2024. We'll be unveiling an alternate uniform. Okay. And so for maybe we'll select a date of the week and we'll be the Blue Swades. Blue Swades was the number two entered name in the name of the team contest uh -huh. uh, that we narrowed it down to. So, uh, and it's kind of old hat around here also. Mm -hmm. But for example, I mentioned that about food, there's going to be a Blue Suede. Now, do something suede doesn't sound very uh, appetizing. <laughs> but we will have the Rockabilly Philly cheesesteak. Okay. All right. As a, as a Philadelphia native myself, I'll be interested to try that out. See, uh, you know, see how it holds up. You got to get out and see us. <laughs> so the, the town of Jackson, Tennessee is halfway between essentially Nashville and Memphis. And there Correct. are two pretty big musical juggernauts there. I mean, those are pretty two big music scenes. The music scene, the, the rockabilly music scene that the team name is is based on is distinctive. Where can I hear rockabilly now? If I go to Jackson, Tennessee for a game, am I going to be able to go out afterwards? Will there be rockabilly music at the games? You just happened to mention that, but we just built a stage under our pavilion, and every Saturday night, we're going to have a local band play after the game in I the extra it. inning stage. And so, yes, we will have a salute to Carl Perkins night out nice. here. Uh, we haven't got it done yet, but we are looking to do a Carl Perkins bobblehead in our first two years. It may not happen this year. We are very much behind this year because of a college game we put on in, in November that went bonkers that we worked two and a half months on. So, uh, okay. yeah, this is a uh, rockabilly music is something that's fun. It's neat. In fact, I will tell you that in three weeks we are unveiling, releasing our own song. Oh, no kidding. So we have had produced our own song, and it's an upbeat tempo. I might say it's a little bit of a combination of jailhouse rock, uh, great balls of fire, 
and maybe Barbara Ann from the Beach Boys, kind of a hard-hitting, fast, brassy type thing that we wrote the lyrics, and it's it's pretty good. So when I looked up the the significance of this team and when I was researching the team, I kept typing Rockabilly's I-E-S, and you all spell it with a Y-S instead of I-E-S. Was that an intentional decision? What went into the, the spelling of Rockabilly's? Billy Goats. Billy Goats, of course. <laughs> Of course. Was there was there any point where you said that that name was suggested? Was there any point where you thought you might actually be the Rockabilly Goats? No. Okay. No, because there is a minor league team in Hartford, Connecticut called the Yard Goats. Of course. So we like to be different. And so, uh, you know, big props to Ryan Foose. Ryan took our ideas and our thoughts and kind of some general scratchings on a, you know, pencil shots and made it ideal and came up with a lot of other looks for us too. So no, the rockabilly go, I mean, the rockabillies just rolls off the tongue. It does. And I like names that roll off the tongue. So um, again, it's just, it fits. And we've met with nothing but success. We haven't heard one negative comment. So, you know, the goats, we're doing a, we're doing a golf outing with the players, golf with the goats. Okay. Of course, goats has numerous meetings, as you know. Of course. The greatest of all time. We would like to be known as that sometime, someday. <laughs> this is the 60th anniversary of the Prospect League. Six zero. Yeah. Started in uh, 1963, mm-hmm. in fact, as the Central Illinois Collegiate League. And when they moved into Terre Haute, Indiana, they changed the name. And that was 18 years ago to the Prospect League. Okay. So uh, well-renowned, we televise every game. There's a couple of leagues that really are head and shoulders above a lot of the other ones, and we mm-hmm. consider ourselves one of those. And, yeah. and Baseball America judges us that way too. So uh, I wanted to ask you about uh, you. You you rattled off those colors, the uh, the perfect game purple that you mentioned, uh, and the no hitter navy, which is like we said, it's like a Yankees navy, right? Like it's a yes. deep, deep, deep navy. Yes. It's a deep, um, deep, deep navy. Yeah, so all like like we said earlier, almost black. When you held up the cap, it had the 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 deep navy top and then the purple brim, was sort of you know almost like Rockies ish, Colorado Rockies ish colors. There are not that many minor league teams or you know minor league lowercase you know not just affiliated but throughout uh, you know all levels of of minor league baseball. There are not that many that are using the color purple. Was that an intentional decision? Was that a thought that, you know, hey, there's not that much purple out there. We're going to sort of seize the purple market? Absolutely. I'm a Navy guy. I yeah. love uh, not military, but the color Navy. Yeah. And uh, so I've always wanted to have a team. And we've operated nine teams over the last 45 years that use Navy, purple, uh, copper. I'm big on copper, metallic copper okay. and silver. So we used a combination that we don't think has ever been used before by any sport. And that was significant. We've tried to have done some things that maybe were different and unique. Awesome. Well, this it really is a, a fun brand. The 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 Billy Goat here, like I said, I'm gonna talk to Ryan about the Billy Goat here, but he's got this sort of sly look on his face, the Johnny Cash smile. I will tell you that Ring of Fire is my go-to karaoke songs. I'll be thinking of your Billy Goat here when I do karaoke from now on with that Johnny Cash smirk there. But it's he's a really fun character. And I, I you know, I know Ryan Foose does such great work. When I saw the Blue Suede Shoes logos, I was kind of hoping that we might see the players themselves wearing blue shoes out on the uh, out on the playing field there. Any chance we'll see that? Well, you got to remember that we're having 
uh, up to four players from any one college on one summer collegiate team. So they're going to be coming in from 17 different colleges. Okay. We do not furnish shoes. We do not have a shoe deal, so to speak. Okay. Um, but we have signed a contract with New Balance for uniforms. Okay. But the mascot, JR, which we will unveil in mid-May, uh-huh. uh, does have on blue suede shoes. Okay. I like that. I wonder if you could have like a, a mystery night and, uh, you know, you could have the, the mascot gets shot and you could have a who shot JR night. Some people wouldn't remember that when Larry <laughs> Hagman, uh, right. when Linda Gray shot Larry Hagman on the <laughs> who shot JR. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so a lot of people would not know. Good catch. I like that. Uh, uh, we also unveiled our new junior mascot and he is Billy the kid. Oh, <laughs> I mean, everybody knows what a baby goat is called. As a kid. That's right. So our junior mascot, Jr. Jr., is Billy the Kid. Billy and the kid. every Sunday night and Tuesday night, we'll have baby goats here for kids to pick up, pet, have their picture taken with, et cetera. There's just something. And I don't know how you spell the word, aw. <laughs> and every time I show this to a young mother that has kids, that's what that's what comes out is, aw. Well, that's what I was going to say, because I want to go hang out with some baby goats. I mean, baby goats are kind of the best, right? Like, so I, I definitely, definitely want to want to see that. Would love the idea of the extra innings uh, sta- uh, stage that you have there for, for live music after the games. It sounds like a really fun baseball experience. It's a really fun brand. You know, Ryan did a great job. I'm going to go talk to him about that now. I really appreciate you hopping on and and talking about this brand and congratulations on the the anticipated success of this new team because i know that it's going to be a hit and uh, as it were well thank you so much it's been a pleasure and like i said we uh we're proud of it we've done a lot of work in the community ryan was instrumental in uh the release and he was neat we probably drove him crazy for a <laughs> while which uh i think he would say but no we uh we've had a good time with it fantastic where can people find you online rockabillysbaseball.com Rockabillies with a Y. Rockabillies with a Y. Rockabilliesbaseball.com. Thank you so much, Dennis. I really appreciate it. Okay. Thank you, sir. All right. Thanks, Dennis. Take care. All right, everyone. Welcome back. I'm so pleased to welcome back to the podcast Ryan Foos of Fooser Sports Design. Ryan, thanks so much for being here. How are you doing? Good, good. Pleasure to be back. Yeah, man, it's uh, good to talk to you. And and we last time you were on, we had a, a whole conversation about your uh, your work on the Copa de la Diversión, and that was I really enjoyed talking to you then. We're going to talk this time about one brand, the Jackson Rockabillies, and your work on that because this is a, this is a unique, fun brand, and it's uh, it was been really well received out there. Uh, so let me, I'll just we'll just jump right in if you're okay. Uh, you know, what were the what were the, the challenges that they presented to you? What was your task as the designer on this project? Yeah, so luckily working with Springfield Lucky Horseshoes within the Prospect League got me into this job. And uh, yeah, it's it's definitely unique. And I think it's always really, really tough for any team to pick a name. I mean, it's the, it's the toughest thing. And so I think originally it was Blue Suede's was the, the kind of the name, which is definitely unique, but tough. Yeah. Uh, and so then it kind of evolves slowly and getting feedback from the public and, and rockabilly's in itself is a very minor league name. Like I know that it's, it's a, an actual, uh, kind of reference to music, but 
uh, it, it worked out nicely in all the components that came with it. And I'm sure Dennis has brought up all the, the thoughts that came into what to do with a goat and a kid and all that kind of stuff. And so uh, one of the challenges was, and I don't know if I've ever experienced it working with a team is before the name was figured out before direction or style or anything like that, the colors were decided on. So they were gung ho on Navy and purple and copper and white. And there was even some names that were thrown around that the colors would not have worked for. And so it's, it's a rarity to have somebody come in and go, look, these are what we're working with. Um, yeah. Have had some teams that said, Hey, we want a green involved or gold, or we don't want to use black as a dark color. But I think the trickiest part of this was to say, Hey, uh, you're going to have to make purple and Navy work, uh, which it could go a slippery slope uh, in a lot yeah. of different ways. But overall it was, it was a fun project to work on and tried to hide as many details as possible within the brand. Well, the fun part of the logo definitely really shines through and and you mentioned the Springfield Lucky Horseshoes, right? Like this is something you're seeing a lot in in minor league baseball, where there are there are layers and different you know elements where you can be sort of modular about a minor league brand. This one, including you know the Billy Goat himself, the guitar, the the pickup truck, the blue suede shoes, the record. Am I what am I missing? There there are, there are a lot of elements to this this narrative, right? Like in Springfield. Springfield did that more than I think any team I've ever seen actually, right? Like they have so many different stories that they're telling in their suite of logos that you created. And we haven't, mm-hmm. we haven't talked about that one. So there's a, there's a future episode for you, <laughs> but the, the, the stories that are told in this logo with the blue suede shoes and the Billy goat character and the truck and the record, that's, that's a challenge to fit that into one suite of, of logos. Is it not? Yeah. And to be honest with you, there is a, an issue with a certain team in Hartford that when you include a goat as a logo yeah, and that arguably the yard goats being a top 10, 15 minor league brand, yeah, the last thing you want to do is present a goat brand and right. then immediately get feedback from the public of, oh, this is Hartford in a different right. color way. So um, that's where we tried to try to do something unique. And so the, the kind of the smirk is Johnny Cash, uh, the the hair twirl and the 50s Les Paul guitar is in reference to Carl Perkins, kind of the, the godfather of rockabillies. Uh, the, the truck reference was pulled in, uh, I think, from 1956 or 58, because that's the year that Blue Suede Shoes was released. And so uh, obviously then the Blue Suede Shoes themselves make an appearance as a tertiary logo. So... The idea was stylistically, obviously, make it unique, but then pull actual historical significance to the guitar, the smirk, the hairstyle, and all that, so that when you see it and you start kind of pulling things together, it's it says something more than just having a guitar, uh, a guitar holding goat. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And the name Rockabillies, I mean, before we started recording here, we were chatting and I kept saying Billy Goats, right? Like, and it's not the Billy Goats. It's, you know, <laughs> there's, there's a ton going on here outside of just the actual elements, the the design style, you know, and Dennis and I talked about the blue suede shoes and we talked about the, the Billy Goat character and the guitar. I wanted to get in with you into this with you a little bit, the, the type that you created this, you know, very musical type uh, and it, it, you know, it's evocative of a of a place and of a of a style of music. 
what was your process going into creating a a type that is is part baseball but part you know of this culture it's not you know it's not necessarily a baseball script in any in any respect right like it's more of a a, a musical sense of place typography that you created yeah and that was an interesting one because I, I think there's a little bit of a back and forth with the team and myself because the original concept was to kind of do these old show posters like this really bold sans serif kind of feel i think it's really easy uh, for a lot of teams to to do script for baseball, it just seems to work out. I, I feel like 90% of baseball teams have a script. So to kind of add script-like elements to it, uh, it's it's based on kind of older uh, album cover uh, typography is what we kind of pulled that from. And having the S swoop down with Jackson in it was kind of a nod to the old baseball kind of pastime. But uh, I think there is, I don't know how much they use it. There is a script Jackson with the J creating a, a, a kind of a musical note and, and all that. So we included it all, but it was, it was frankly, everything about this was just trying to be unique um, and create this just level of character to the brand uh, instead of saying, here's a straightforward, you know, blocky form with the script and all that. So uh, it was definitely a little bit of playing in how much detail do you include? Uh, and I, I want to say Dennis and the crew, their their road cap for this year is actually the full kind of word mark, which I don't know if if I've seen a baseball team do that in a long time outside of a fashion hat, but their on field actually is, is this kind of word mark. So um, it's definitely getting its use from them down Jackson. Huh. That's really interesting. You said there were a lot of hidden elements and I don't know if it's fair of me just to say, Hey, what, what can you point out? Or do I need to like guess at them? Do I need to, you know, just stare at this and see what the elements are? What are the, you, you mentioned the, the, the smirk and the, the, the curly hair, right? Like, so those are, you know, mm-hmm. I appreciate those details. What, what are the things in this logo that the casual observer is not going to notice until it's pointed, pointed out or unless they really study it? Yeah, a lot of that was just the reference of, of lookalikes and, and yeah. making sure guitars and trucks and all that fit the same year. There was a little bit of on, his, I guess, the goat's right shoulder. Uh, we needed to fill a little negative space and there's a little lightning bolt, little white lightning. So if you... Uh, are familiar with the uh, moonshining business, little white lightning is snuck in there. And <laughs> one of the concepts that didn't quite make it, and maybe we'll see it in a future year uh, from the Rockabillies is to do Sunday whites. Uh, and so we had this whole concept of here's this Rockabilly guy that's doing his thing as a musician and all that comes with it uh, on a, a Saturday night. And then Sunday combs his hair a little bit tighter and dresses up a little bit cleaner and goes to church on Sunday morning. So we had a Sunday uh, brand kind of set up, but we'll see how this as, as the jocks and rockabillies goes for now, but um, there's more things to come uh, yeah. and I'm excited to see how this kind of grows. But the biggest thing was to make something that was culturally specific, historically specific, because it's something that um, the people of Jackson and, and that part of Tennessee really do care about their music and understand that they were the start of something. So didn't want to do anything to, you know, want to have fun with it. But I think there's a level of of making fun rather than kind of uh, partaking in the, the aspects that people really enjoy. So, um, yeah, it was, it was straightforward for the most part with adding this kind of very cartoonish uh, baseball feel. 
Yeah. Well, so you mentioned Jackson in particular. This is a place that's had, you know, that had a double A team sort of ripped away from it in the process of the reorganization mm-hmm. of minor league baseball. As a designer, how much do you consider the history of the sport in the area? Or do you just come at this from a without considering that, without you know letting that factor into decisions that you would make in the design process? I think that was one of the keys, uh, and that came I think with the color reference at the beginning of our, our talk is there wasn't going to be used any black or green, uh, and I don't think we need to go into the details of how the generals left and why they left and all that kind of stuff. But I think there was a little bit of a a bitter taste in in people's mouths around there. So it was really about how do you create a brand that, um, because they had to name the team and there was obviously people that thought let's do generals or warriors or soldiers or some kind of connection to that. And and I, I think that that was, you know, considered, but immediately kind of, uh, tossed aside because they wanted to start something new. And I think there's a trust level that needed to be gained in Jackson that says these people want to come in and create fun nights and great atmospheres. And this team is specifically for you. This isn't, you know, a, a recycled brand. It is quite unique. And so, um, yeah, I think it was just a matter of being uh, cognizant of what people would say locally, that they that they would support it. Um, that they see it and they go, this is something that we can totally get behind. The purple, you don't see a lot of minor league baseball teams. You don't see a lot of sports teams in general. There are a handful of them, right? And we could we could name them. We could rattle them off. But, you know, just thinking about affiliated minor league baseball, there's maybe, what, three teams that use purple? And, and mm-hmm. when, when purple teams rebrand, they often go away from purple to other colors. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess the Jackalopes, the Grand Junction Jackalopes yep. are a team. They're not affiliated anymore, but they're in the Pioneer League. You know, it's, I'm, the New Orleans Baby Cakes used to have it. You know, the Grand Junction Rockies, I guess, had it. You know, but so so anyway, like I said, you can you can name some teams. Is it a challenge to design with purple? Is that why you don't see it as often, or is it is it another reason that that, that purple just is not used as often as you see some other colors? I actually just had a conversation with some other designers about the color purple unrelated to this project, but I I think it's just, it's a color that it really is a clean color. I think having a nice dark clean purple is a really, really crisp look, but it's, it's got some friction I think associated to it where it's not quite masculine. It's not quite feminine. It's kind of, I think it also probably hurts that when people think purple, they think of Barney and these very like, uh stereotypical purple things uh it's not a natural color that i mean other than like an eggplant and grapes there's it's it's slim to none in terms of what it actually is out there for purple and so i think uh when the color palette was decided on i think it was definitely a head scratcher for me that you want to make sure that you fit the the right brand with the right colors yeah. And so it ended up working out that it ended up being in the shirt and little details here and there within the guitar. So it definitely works out and it's a nice pop with the Navy. Uh, but it was, there's definitely some moments where you have to be very, uh, you have to be very strategic with it. And I would say the same thing with orange, which rust kind of color was used in this as well with the copper and yeah. trying to make it work cleanly without it kind of being too bright and loud and and all that when people look at it 
Yeah. Well, you know, designers, I, I, I wish I had been part of that conversation because it sounds nerdy and awesome, right? Like using <laughs> the use of, of purple. Uh, one of the facts that I remember from design school, and hopefully I'm restating this correctly, but that when, you know, when, when Isaac Newton was designing the color wheel in 1666, that purple was originally not one of the colors, right? That it was purple was divided into indigo and violet and indigo is more mm. blue and violet is more red and Mm -hmm. Um, it, it ultimately, those two got sort of lumped together into this one color of purple for simplicity, right? So we could have the primary colors and the secondary colors. But when you think about purple, right, like it almost by its nature is sort of a divided color, right? It's either violet or it's indigo, right? So it's, mm -hmm. it's a warm or, or it's a cool. So it's, it's an interesting color from that perspective in, in my perspective. Oh, here you go. <laughs> this is... <laughs> Listeners of the podcast are well familiar with Yodel the cat who makes frequent appearances here when she's angry about something, which is always because she's a cat. I think Yodel is making it clear. Yodel the cat is making it clear that it's uh, time to wrap up here. It's time for wet food, I think, for both Yodel and me. So, Ryan, thanks so much for, for coming on and talking about this this brand and the work that you do and, and, and your process. It's so great to, to get that insight into the designer's process on these these fun brands. Definitely, we'll have you back on again to talk about some of the more some some more of the work that you've done. It's uh, totally fun to 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 dive deep like this. In the meantime, where can people find you online? Uh, at Fuser Sports everywhere, website, Instagram, Twitter, all that good stuff. But appreciate it, as always having me on. Yeah, we'll talk to you next time. And brand synergy, by the way, that's a great job. I <laughs> I did I did a terrible job with the brand synergy. I have a different username on like every platform. So so <laughs> good job by you on that. Ryan, thanks very much. We'll talk to you next time. All right. Have a good week. You too. Thanks, Ryan. All right, everyone. Welcome back. I'm so thrilled to be welcoming to the basement in Fort Collins, Colorado, Baseball by Designs, wildlife consultant, Ranger Amy Burnett, live in studio once again. Ranger Amy Burnett, hello, welcome. Oh, no. <laughs> Getting into this. And that's great. Now it's on to studio Simon Stumpers. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. Come on, we're talking about billy goats. Okay, we're talking about billy goats. You made this crazy sound just now. Which brings me to my first question, and I know that you do a lot of preparation for these interviews, and I appreciate that because there's a lot of there's a lot of work that goes into the baseball by design wildlife correspondent Ranger Amy Burnett segments. My first question for you: This team is called the Rockabillies. You're a musician. You're a singer. You're going to be singing the national anthem at an Owls with a Z game coming up. Why is a Billy Goat a good musician? Sounds like the beginning of a joke does i wish i had a better answer you probably should come up with this one they are good musicians because they actually have like different tonal qualities and they have accents so each billy goat has a different way of talking or bleating as it's called huh. and mom billy goats can recognize their kids and the kids can recognize their mom's voices and um and kid is not a colloquial term it's actually the right term for a baby baby billy goat of course mm -hmm. so they have different vocal qualities and they recognize each other and uh and that's what makes them such good communicators all right so let's get to it let's do it let's do this well we're going to get into billy goats and baseball why would the billy goat be a good baseball player Billy Goats would make a great baseball player because they have certain adaptations that baseball players wish they had in some certain cases. So they can see 320 degrees around them because of their special rectangular pupils. Have you ever looked at their eyes? They're so crazy freaky. 
I have, dead I have not spent much time looking into a billy goat's eyes, no. They have rectangular pupils, just like an octopus. Wow. So they have that in common. Of course. And those rectangular pupils allow them to look around 320 degrees, so they have all this peripheral vision. The octopus billy goat branch of the evolutionary tree is really a fascinating one. That's uh, You can see that divergent evolution at play right there. <laughs> exactly. All right, so they've got good, interesting eyesight. So these eyes that, have, that give them peripheral vision also give them great depth perception. So if you're a baseball player, you want good depth perception. You want to be able to see around you. You can imagine if the pitcher could see behind him. Then you could see it'd be a lot easier to see if someone was stealing bases, right? And they also have these great hooves. The hooves are split in two. They have outer layer, inner layer. Outer layer digs in to the grass and or the ground in this case, in uh, in the field. So these two different kinds of feet make it really great for gripping, just like a baseball player has the cleats. So they're sort of born with cleats. Now some other things that may not make them a great baseball player but makes them like a baseball player is that billy goats um chew their cud <laughs> so just like a baseball player is always chewing gum do you know why baseball players chew gum all the time this sounds like a joke are you are you genuinely <laughs> yeah. asking me the question genuinely wonder i wondered i had to google it i think it's because they used to chew tobacco and they're not allowed to chew tobacco anymore so they chew gum instead well this is true but why did they chew tobacco like oh. what is the point of chewing something while you're while you're playing baseball I'm, i don't know you know see this is why you have me on the show I... no it isn't if <laughs> no, <I'm kidding. laughs> is there an answer to the question if you had an answer to the question then that would be why we had you on the show i'm so sorry <laughs> <laughs> okay so chewing something like chewing tobacco or chewing gum is good for dry mouth right and all that dusty fields and the gross stuff that they get in their mouth they produce saliva so that was why they started but there's another reason that they might not have thought of it first but it helped them play so baseball players are always superstitious right so they do something once and it helps so they do it again mm -hmm. so they chew gum because they found that it helps well what it does it actually stimulates the um, the brain cortex <gasps> and so it helps concentration it helps focus so all these things that during a long baseball game i know you don't want that's a soft, that's a sensitive topic with you yeah we don't have long baseball games anymore <laughs> they, they're mandatorily cut off at 245 because baseball players have to go to bed at 10 30 <laughs> so all this you know it's a they have to stay on their game literally for a long time and they have to focus and you know sometimes you have to Sometimes there are long parts of the game. There, there isn't a lot for someone in the base in the outfield to be doing. So they're chewing gum, kind of keep their brain going so that they can be right on uh, on target when they need to catch a fly ball. I like this. All right. So the the, the relationship between Billy Goats chewing and chewing baseball players and chewing. Baseball players. All right. So go figure. Oh, one thing I found out was that Alex Rodriguez, apparently he was really, he is superstitious, admitted that he used to chew 36 pieces of gum per game. I have an association with John Cruck too, just having like a huge wad of something. And I can't remember like whether John Cruck, whether with, with him it was, you know, tobacco or, or gum, but he used to have a huge wad in his, in his cheek. And I think that's probably not the only thing John Cruck has in, in, in common with a billy goat, right? Like they, they're both, they're both pretty gruff. Yeah. Um, the relationship of Billy's mm -hmm. with baseball is uh, fairly extensive. Just recently we've had Billy Hamilton, Billy Wagner, Billy Butler, and of course, the movie Moneyball is obviously based on Billy Bean, the prospect turned front office person. And then, of course, you've got old face Billy Ripken. Oh, my goodness. Wow. You just said that. I did. Yeah. You're going to you don't have a G rating on your podcast. Uh, we'll bleep it out. It'll be all right. But he, that's baseball fans know about old 
bass, Billy Ripken. Oh, I, I met know. him once in Omaha. Why did they call him that? He very famously, there was a baseball card where Billy Ripken was holding a baseball bat, and on the end of the baseball bat, he had written face. Wow. Yeah. Well, I bet there was a piece of chewing gum in that little baseball card. There probably was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of those like old styrofoam chewing gum pieces. Absolutely. So, so anyway, the the question is, where does, uh, you know, the the relationship of of Billy to baseball is extensive, but what about the the name Billy Ghost? Where does that come from? Well, it's really, it's simple, really. It's actually just Billy comes from William. So Billy Goat is a male goat and that's pretty much it. So you can call it a Billy Goat or just a buck. A female goat's a doe. Uh, A boy is a buck or also called a Billy. So Billy Goat just refers to male goats. And considering that all baseball players at this point in time, at the podcast, at this time of recording of the podcast, all baseball players are male. So it makes sense that they would call them Billy Goats. All major league players are male. There are female, minor There are female, there are women playing baseball at lots of different levels. And we have women coaching baseball at uh, more and more levels every day. Well, I can't wait till we see a female player in the major leagues that I'm waiting for that day. I think it'll happen. All right, so we've talked about their cool eyes. Mm-hmm. It's not the thing I thought you were going to bring up when we first, uh, when I asked you, you know, what were the qualities of a, of a Billy Goat that makes him a, a good baseball player? What are what are some other things about the the Billy Goat that's going to, you know, really uh, make him excel out there on the field? Well, one of the things that, the, that Billy Goats love to do is headbutt. So I'm not really sure if that applies to baseball, but at least maybe it could make them look a, more, a little bit more intimidating. Like they can do some damage. They can give like, other goats little mini goat concussions they just headbutt them well this you know back in the day when pete rose was crashing into catchers in the all-star game you know and ending their careers that you know this the the collisions at home plate i think were (laughs) a a billy goat would have been really really good at that that. they've sort of uh, legislated collisions out of the game except for collisions with outfield walls so maybe Yeah, maybe it would help them to have that sort of like they're used to having their head, you know, getting head butted and yeah, and they just recover. Yeah, just yeah. Kind of fall over and then shake it off. Now, what about like, uh, you know, I, I guess mountain goats are the ones that can just find like the slightest ledge and just hang out there all day in like a in a in a precipice there. So like, is there a is there a billy goat who do billy goats have that? Can they stand on like narrow ledges or is that yes. mountain goats? Oh yeah, yeah. So all billy goats descended from. And not too long ago, really. I mean, relatively evolutionarily. From octopuses. From, <laughs> from those, um, from mountain goats. Oh. So our domestic goats are are still pretty much uh, wild goats, you know, as far as their adaptations. So their feet have the inside layer of their feet are spongy, kind of mm-hmm. like imagine um, like toe shoes in um, in ballet. Okay. So they're they're soft on the inside and hard on the outside. So that soft on the inside is very grippy. So that soft part allows them to grip on the very, very, very smallest little piece of rock and they can hold on there. So they don't need much. So their footing is very, very sure. They're very sure footed. So billy goats would be great at uh, keeping their footing on any kind of uh, of terrain on a baseball field. But if they're pitching and they've got this spongy, sticky interior to their hooves and they're walking off the field and the umpire checks them, they're going to get thrown out of the game. That's true. They might have to yeah, be inspected every inning or something like that. Exactly. Yeah. So kind of like if Max Scherzer was a Billy Goat, that would explain how come he got thrown out of a baseball game for substances. <laughs> Look at you throwing around names. I have no idea who that is. But I do know that Billy Goats have beards, and but both males and females have beards. Mm. So Like in the circus. <laughs> there you go. Like in the circus. 
my favorite baseball players with beards would be like Charlie Blackman. Uh, maybe we should call him Billy Blackman. You know, he's got that. He's got a Billy Goat beard. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, Brandon Marsh could be Billy Marsh. Billy Marsh would be a, a, a great name for a baseball player. Billy Marsh, Billy Blackman. Yeah. Just kind of I'm, rename at, him. At the time of this recording, I am going to a Rockies game today. And um, I think maybe I'll try out Billy Blackman when he comes up to bat. <laughs> Everyone is going to be so confused around you. I don't think so. They'll just think I'm an idiot. <laughs> well, they don't know you, so it's okay. Okay, before I let you get out of here and go upstairs from the basement, what uh, what uh, what else do we need to know? What are what are some final thoughts on Billy Goats as baseball players as we get out of here? You know, I think they're natural team players. They huh. live in herds. They don't do well by themselves, and that's because they're considered prey animals. And that's just a fancy word for they're tasty. Mm-hmm, Everything mm-hmm, wants mm-hmm. to eat them, like T Rexes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you haven't noticed, goat tastes pretty good. So when you're <laughs> so if you're a goat you want to make sure that you work in numbers because that's the best defense. So in a way, baseball players, Billy goats, they have a lot in common. I thought laughter was the best defense. That's <laughs> that, the best medicine. That's for you. Oh, that's okay. for Paul Caputo. <laughs> Ranger, Amy Burnett, baseball by designs, wildlife consultant. Thank you once again for coming back. We need to number these segments. We need to count how many times you've appeared on the podcast. Now it's been quite a few. We're probably in double digits by now. Thank okay. you for, for coming on baseball by design. It was my pleasure. That wasn't too bad, was it? All right, everyone, welcome back. Once again, here with Studio Simon's Numbers. One of my favorite times of the week is getting to talk with Dan Simon about a minor league baseball logo to learn some trivia about a corner of America. And here we are talking about the Jackson Rockabillies. We're talking about a specific style of music. We're talking about Billy Goats. I don't know. There's there's a pickup truck in this logo. So again, I'm I'm entering this fully unprepared because Dan, you always come at this with an approach that I can never guess. So I'm just I'm flying blind, as it were. For the questions that I sometimes ask, where there's two right answers and one wrong answer, mm-hmm. well, obviously that's everyone. But where two are real and one is made up, what did you refer to that as? I called it two truths and a lie. Maybe we need to re- rename this segment instead of Studio Simon Stumpers. Um, two truths and a lie. I kind of like that. Um, TV game show in the making somewhere there. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, you happen to be an expert at rebranding. So I think if anyone can pull off this name change for this segment, it's, it's you. <laughs> or this could be this could be the um, Studio Simon Stumpers alternate identity. Oh, I like it. <laughs> so, right. Wait, yeah, so don't... every so often, you know, five times a year, we're going to play this game as two truths and a lie. Yeah, you know what? Maybe we should do that. We're like, okay, today's okay. So we're going to do that right here. Okay. okay. So the, the team which preceded the rockabilities, rockabilities, the rockabilities, the, the rockabilities was the Jackson Generals, um, a team I did not name, but for which I did develop the brand identity. Okay. Um, and with that project, I ended up presenting six different options in the first round, which included two featuring generals on which the team requested I base directions. Okay. So the team came to me and said, here's some of the things we have talked about internally, um, and, and we'd appreciate if you can work up directions based on, on these concepts, two of which were general themed. Okay. So today's two truths and a lie okay. asks a trivia show which, within a trivia show, two truths <laughs> and a lie. 
which of these three famous generals was not one of the generals the team wished to see represented in logo form? Was it A, General George S. Patton, B, General Andrew Jackson, or C, General Robert E. Lee? I want the people listening in the audio medium that is this podcast. What I am seeing on screen is Paul in deep thought. Yeah. I thought I was going to know this one right off the bat because I thought you had actually told me this before. And I was I was expecting different names. I might have very well told you this. Uh, okay. But so we discuss so, a lot of things and it's right. sort of got lost in the ether. Sometimes I'll sometimes I'll 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 delay by asking you to repeat the the three choices. So I'm supposed I to be, choose the one that is not out of these not, three. Right, was not requested by the client to be seen in logo form in the first round presentation. George S. General George S. Patton, General Andrew Jackson, or General Robert E. Lee. All right, it's going to be Jackson or Lee. The correct answer will be Jackson or Lee. The correct answer in that it's a lie. <laughs> the correct answer that in is that it was, yeah, the correct answer in that it was not one of the ones that the team came to you with. So we're talking about Jackson, Tennessee. So certainly the role they played in the in the Civil War might be a factor. So I so normally I like to talk these through. The the fact of the Jackson generals playing in Jackson, Tennessee makes me feel like Perhaps Jackson would have been one of them. I think Patton was one of them. I just have it in my head that Patton was one of them. So I'm going to say Robert E. Lee, final answer. Give the man a cigar. Yes, Robert E. Lee. Now, something that should be noted, the, the first thing, when, when I was putting these this question together and I decided to put Robert E. Lee, especially here in the year 2023, uh, you 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 likely will or almost certainly would not see a new brand identity based on a confederate icon yeah uh and so i realized when i was putting this together that thought might have been in one's mind trying to answer this thinking nah they wouldn't have gone with robert e lee mm -hmm. but this was 12 years ago Maybe I, I'd have to look back at my files and see what year I, I did that identity. And even as recently as that, those types of things were not yet verboten. So verboten, correct my pronunciation. If I, I'm not, uh, I'm not fluent in uh, Spanish, so I can't really say. <laughs> Is that Spanish? <laughs> I don't believe uh, it's Spanish. No, I'm imagining it's German. <laughs> it is German. Okay, so so um, you got it right despite the fact that that it might have seemed like um, um, the right answer. So, um, or, or, or a completely viable answer, I should say. Right. So um, one of the things I'm going to do for you, Paul, is I'm, I am going to send you the general Andrew Jackson direction I did, because it's still one of the favorite things I did that ended up on the cutting room floor. Yeah. Normally, when I'm, when I'm doing an identity, I'm not asked to represent an actual person who really existed. Yeah. Uh, 
you know, there might be some things like like with the Kannapolis Cannonballers identity where they wanted the character to kind of capture the spirit of Dale Earnhardt and, yeah. and maybe some other things about him in that, but it's not Dale Earnhardt. In this case, it needed to be Andrew Jackson. Uh, you know, another example of this, the uh, and here I go kind of contradicting myself, uh, I also did George Washington for the Fredericksburg Nationals and his mother, Mary. So, right. and it's important to depict them accurately. So, so you, people know who this is and, uh, and, but still make it into a compelling logo. And I was, I really loved the way that logo came out. I understand why they didn't go with that, uh, even though it was one of the, directions they requested to to see but i'll send that to you and you can post that on social media for um the delight of your millions of of <laughs> listeners um and here's a little studio simon tidbit with regard Ooh, to this another uh, yet another segment well the, yeah we should <laughs> another studio simon tidbit moment um the, we need a little musicals thing with that <laughs> the epaulette from the jacket in that Andrew Jackson direction was I later modified a bit and used for the epaulets in for those of you who might not know what an epaulette is those are those things on the shoulders of jackets worn by generals and maybe other um, um, ranks in different armed forces um, from the French word for shoulder which is a pole Oh, okay. And and they have those like little tassels hanging off of them. Um, so the, the the one that I had I had on Andrew Jackson's jacket in that logo direction, I modified a little bit and used in the in the primary logo for the Milwaukee Admirals identity I developed for the hockey team, the American League American Hockey League team identity I developed for them. So um, reduce, reuse, recycle. Very good. Yeah, absolutely. Borrow from yourself there. Wasn't there also an Admirals logo that had a refrigerator in it? <laughs> yes, that's an all <laughs> speaking of alternate identities that that's an alternate identity because the reason their name, the Admirals goes back to, I believe they were an amateur team at the time, even if they weren't, it's not that's not an important part of this. The owner of the team owned an appliance store and the main the main refrigerator they sold there was Admiral brand refrigerators. So that's where the name Admirals comes from. Not a not a nautical um, military theme name, but um, but <laughs> major appliance <laughs> theme identity. So we we have yeah. to inception our way out of all of these segments here. This was a Studio Simon tidbit within the trivia segment, Two Truths and a Lie, within the Studio Simon Stumpers segment on the Baseball by Design podcast. Dan Simon, thank you so much for joining. For all of those layers, those Inception-style layers of, of podcast segments, we'll see you next week for another trivia question whether it's two truths and a lie or a Studio Simon Stumper classic remains to be seen. You have that to look forward to. I'll see you next week. See you next week, Dan. <laughs>